0: morning everyone that was beautiful go ahead and open your bibles to luke 24 please good to see all of you tell this morning sermon is raised to life for our justification if you want to stand with me we're going to read verses 13 through 35 luke 24 13 to 35 quite a bit to read so if you can't stand the whole time you can you can remain seated verse 30 when he was at the table with them he took the bread and blessed and broken and gave it to them and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight they said to each other did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures And they rose that same hour and returned to jerusalem and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying and here it is the lord has risen indeed And has appeared to simon then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread you may be seated father we thank you so much for this resurrection sunday to celebrate christ's victory over sin and death just must be one of our uh, spiritually speaking favorite or or hopefully uh, not just spiritually speaking but favorite days of the year in any respect as we reflect on what this represents as Christ sprung from the grave uh, because sin uh, he had not sinned and death could not hold him and how his resurrection becomes our resurrection I thank you Lord for uh, your son being willing to come and hang on that cross in our place and take that punishment for us but we hopefully recognize it would mean nothing without Christ being raised from the dead and so what, what a treasure it is to be able to reflect on that and what it means for us Lord i pray for the passages we'll be looking at um, many of them uh, quickly that you would give us a good elevated uh, view i don't think we could take all this in as well over over many weeks which i didn't want to do but just to be able to look at them uh, so quickly lord give us an understanding and appreciation for the mistake we can make if we tend to look at things physically instead of spiritually and uh and even see how these two individuals on this road made that mistake lord and and prevent us from making it in our lives and I guess I would just say on behalf of the congregation and myself included Lord help us to appreciate greatly what Christ did for us not so much physically but spiritually there be any unbelievers here who've joined us especially people who don't who hear that and then think I'm talking about someone besides them that they would be convicted of their sin and that you would grant them repentance and faith in Christ we would we would want nothing more than to see them come in here as unbelievers but leave as believers and what, what a great day for that to be the case in their lives Lord Thank you for this time pray you can be pleased with it and we ask this in Jesus' name amen Many amen all right before we get into the verses in luke 24 i'm going to back up and we're going to look at some examples that reveal the mistake that these two made when they were walking on the road to emmaus with jesus uh, because i think it's a mistake that we can make as well and i want the mistake to be so clear i'm going to give you a lesson the first lesson that reveals this mistake so, lesson one don't miss the spiritual because you're focused on the physical don't miss the spiritual because you're focused on the physical a common mistake all of us can make we have the tendency to focus on the physical instead of the spiritual and i think this is why there was so much confusion associated with christ's first coming I and mean, that could be a whole other sermon itself and i believe it's something that i've talked about before that when christ came they were looking for someone who would do more for them physically he would do for them spiritually they wanted a, a christ or a messiah who would come and then help them physically versus spiritually a few examples from scripture showing how we can tend to look at the physical and miss the spiritual think about the prophet samuel when he was famously sent to the house of jesse to anoint the next king of israel this would have been the second king of israel and jesse had eight sons the oldest was eliab and who was the youngest son david was and so david was not even uh invited to the anointing and listen to what happened first samuel 16 6 says when jesse's sons came in so just imagine the anticipation as samuel is waiting to see which one of these sons will be the next king of Israel that he's going to anoint samuel looks at the first one the oldest eliab and this is what he says surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And so he's convinced when he looks at Eliab that this must be the next king of Israel. And why did Samuel think that? Because Eliab hadn't done or said anything at this point. Why did Samuel think this? He's, doing, he's making this mistake, isn't he? He's looking at things physically and not spiritually. In fact, if he would have, he would have looked at, well, let's back up a little bit. The, the king that Samuel had anointed prior to this was Saul. And that's why. Samuel was making the mistake at this moment that he was because listen to what was said about Saul first Samuel 9 2 Kish that's Saul's father had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul there was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel I mean in one verse you've got the mention of how handsome he is twice from his shoulders upward he's taller than any of the people first Samuel 10 23 when Saul stood among the people he's taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward and Samuel said to all the people now listen to this do you see him whom the Lord has chosen that there is no one like him among all the people and the people shouted and they said long live the king now if Samuel and all the people had been looking at Saul not physically but spiritually would they have seen a big or small man they would have seen a small man but because they're only looking at him physically he looked incredible unfortunately Samuel was only looking at things physically when Eliab stood before him and so God rebuked him for it first Samuel 16 7 the Lord said to Samuel do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him for the Lord does not see as man sees for man looks at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart and so this is basically a way of saying that God doesn't look at things physically God looks at things spiritually and for us to to be godly or to be like God would encourage us to strive to look at things not physically but spiritually and I I see this account and believe if it could happen to Samuel one of the greatest men in the Old Testament then uh, it can very well happen to each of us as well the second example The syrians hated the prophet elisha and the the reason they hated them i mean imagine how frustrating this would be every time the syrians tried to attack the israelites elisha would tell the israelites that the syrians were going to attack and then the syrians would fail and it became so bad and maybe you remember this that the king of syria actually thought that he had what in his midst a traitor He thought he had a traitor he looks at his people and he says okay i know that there's no way that we can repeatedly attack the nation of israel and they seemingly know that we're going to attack except that one of you must be a traitor and must be revealing betraying my plans to the israelites and so one of his men spoke up and said it's not us none of us are traitors the king of israel has the prophet elijah on his side telling him every single time that we're going to attack and so the king of Syria furiously sends his army maybe his entire army for that matter to capture the prophet Elijah and so imagine this Elijah lives a fairly isolated life seems the only person with him was his servant Gehazi and so it the way it's presented it's like they wake up one day uh, and just imagine you're elisha or gehazi and you wake up one day and you happen to look out and what do you see there outside your house the entire army of the opposing enemy coming to take you captive and so gehazi's terrified at this moment listen to this second Kings six fifteen. when gehazi arose early and he went out and picture this there was an army surrounding them with horses and chariots and Gehazi said to Elisha alas my master what shall we do now here's what's interesting they looked terribly Elisha and Gehazi looked terribly outnumbered by the army that had surrounded them and does anyone remember what Elisha actually said to Gehazi they're outnumbered there are more with us than are against us second Kings six sixteen. Elisha said do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them and Elisha prayed and said Lord I pray open Gehazi's eyes that he may see the Lord opened Gehazi's eyes and he saw and behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah so that's a dramatic picture of looking at things physically God opening his eyes based on Elisha's prayer for Gehazi to be able to see things spiritually. And then at that moment, he goes from thinking nobody's with him to thinking that the whole army of the host of heaven is with him with all their fiery chariots and horses. Now I go and turn to John 3. We will come back to Luke 24. I'm going to look at a number of accounts pretty quickly. To see how common this mistake is looking at things physically instead of spiritually so this is a familiar account i suspect to most of us nicodemus one of the prominent religious leaders of the nation of israel or it seems actually the most prominent teacher in israel has come to question jesus He's afraid of people finding out that he is interested in learning from Jesus or questioning him. Or basically, he's afraid of anyone knowing that he feels anything other than hatred for Jesus. So he approaches Jesus at night, and during this conversation, he's questioning him. And then in verse 3, look what Jesus says to him. John 3 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of god now at this point is nicodemus looking at things physically or spiritually he's looking at things physically so he thinks that jesus is talking about being born again physically so as bizarre as that would sound to you that's how bizarre it sounded to nicodemus and so look at his response in verse 4 nicodemus said to him how can a man be born when he is old can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born clear clearly had physical birth in view jesus makes it very clear he's not speaking physically but is speaking spiritually and i tell you that so you can look for the emphasis on the spirit or on the holy spirit in contrast with the flesh to see he's talking spiritually not physically John 3 5 Jesus answered most assuredly I say to you unless one is born of water and the spirit we're talking about a spiritual birth he cannot enter the kingdom of God that which is born of the flesh is flesh referring to the physical birth and that which is born of the spirit is spirit do not Marvel that I said to you you must be born again all of us are born uh, physically but when we are born physically we are dead spiritually Uh, we must be born again or born a second time not physically but spiritually and that occurs when God's Holy Spirit comes into our lives regenerates us we are brought to life spiritually and that's when we experience that second birth if you experience the second birth you can experience a physical death but you won't experience the second death which is the spiritual death which is where unbelievers are cast alive into the lake of fire So if you're born again by god's holy spirit you will experience physical death but you will not experience spiritual death which is eternity in the lake of fire and that's what jesus is talking about here turn one chapter to the right john 4. jesus is speaking to the woman at the well verse 10. jesus answers and he says to her if you knew the gift of god and who it is who says to you give me a drink you would have asked him or you would have asked me and he would have or i would have given you living water and the woman said to jesus okay now let's pause how does this does this woman think is she looking at things physically or spiritually she's looking at things physically and so when jesus starts talking about her receiving water she doesn't know that he's talking about the holy spirit or eternal life or the Holy Spirit or living water that would keep her alive eternally she thinks that he's talking about physical water and she knows that you're only going to get physical water from where the well and look what she says you have nothing to draw the water up with look in verse 11. sir you have nothing to draw with the well is deep you don't have a rope you don't have a bucket I'm seeing you sitting here there's no way you're going to be able to get the water I know because I'm coming out here getting the water from the well regularly and you are not equipped to be able to do so skip to verse 13. jesus answers and he says to her whoever drinks of this water and maybe he points at the well because he's referring to physical water from the well is going to thirst again but whoever drinks of the water that i shall give him will never thirst but the water that i shall give him will become in him a fountain of living water springing up into eternal life now the moment we start talking about water you can receive that is going to give you eternal or everlasting life we know we can't be talking about physical water right because all of us have consumed enough physical water and every person throughout human history has consumed physical water and still died so we know that that's not what's going to provide everlasting life but this woman is still looking at things physically instead of spiritually so she says Well, you know this would be incredible i would not have to keep coming out to the well every day just go ahead and give me some of this water that you're talking about verse 15 the woman said give me this water that i may not thirst nor have to come here to draw water in the ancient world we, we know from The rest of the conversation that this was an immoral woman she's it it was inappropriate for her to be traveling alone or going out to this well on her own like this it would have basically made her an object of scorn and ridicule to people or communicated that she she had been an immoral woman and so she's like I would love not only to not have to put forth the effort coming to this well but I'd love not to have to come out here where everyone sees me and and uh, looks down on me And so give me some of the water that's going to let me stay in my house and avoid this this daily trip to her credit she did end up understanding things spiritually look at verse 28. the woman then left her water pot went her way into the city and said to the men come see a man who told me all the things that i ever did could this be the christ and she did come to believe he was the christ because she ends up sharing the gospel Or sharing christ with many samaritans and many samaritans come to believe but the point is when you see her leave this bucket there which represents the reason that she came to this well in the first place for physical reasons to leave the bucket behind shows this transition that had taken place with her that now instead of being focused on the physical she has such a focus on the spiritual that she'll leave the bucket that she knows she doesn't need for the living water that jesus is going to offer her soon after this the disciples try to give jesus food look at verse 31. in the meantime his disciples urged him and they said rabbi eat but he said to them i have food to eat of which you do not know now at this point do the disciples think he's talking about physical food or spiritual food verse 33 therefore the disciples said to one another has anyone given him anything to eat? They're confused because they don't think he has any food. Verse 34, Jesus says to them, "My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work." And so Jesus just meant that doing his father's will sustained him as much as physical food would. And so do you start to see this common tendency in man, or men or women? To look at things physically and miss the spiritual and how much confusion there can be. Turn to John 6. You'll notice in verses 1 through 15, Jesus fed the 5,000. They tell their friends who tell their friends. So then these very large crowds begin following Jesus. And why are they following him? They wanted free food they wanted more food they heard that this is the guy that'll give us free food i mean people today would follow someone that gives them free food but especially in the ancient world someone that's just going to be able to feed thousands like this well let's go see what he's all about so they're coming with only a physical hunger no spiritual hunger jesus wants them hungering spiritually so look at verse 27. he says do not labor for the food which perishes or don't labor for the physical food But you need to labor for the food which endures or provides everlasting life which i the son of man can give you so he wants them to want a spiritual food that will give them eternal life referring to himself so he's going to tell them you're hungering for this physical food you should be hungering for me the spiritual food this physical food is not going to keep you alive this physical food is going to keep you alive as long as the manna in the old testament The ancient bread from heaven kept alive those israelites which is to say maybe for a few more years or decades you want the true and greater bread of life which is me or the true and greater bread that came down from heaven i mean i don't know if you ever thought about that before why did the manna in the old testament come down from heaven to earth because it's picturing the bread of life christ coming down from heaven to earth if they're to eat the true and greater bread of heaven or spiritually speaking Consume Christ, they will have an everlasting life in contrast with this physical life that is only extended by a few years from the physical food. So in verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life that you should be desiring. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. And even when Jesus says that, when he says, Come to me, you're never going to hunger and thirst again if you look at that statement physically how confused are you going to be you're going to then in a few hours be hungry (laughs) and thirsty and think jesus is a huge liar the only way it makes sense is if jesus if you understand that jesus is clearly saying that he's going to satisfy your spiritual hunger and thirst and i'll and i'll tell you i've shared this before I wasn't raised in a christian home spent 20 years spiritually hungering and thirsting following coming to christ i've had other desires in life hungered and thirsted other at other times but i can tell you completely sincerely there has never been a day since coming to christ that i have ever woken up and hungered and thirsted spiritually in the sense of wondering what else is out there there's never been a part of me that said well what does buddhism have to offer There's never been a part of me that has wondered, well, maybe Hinduism is where it's at. There's never been a part of me, even when talking to some of the cults and they're trying to sell their religions to me, Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons, that I thought they had it. And I needed to go taste and see what they had available. Whenever you talk to true believers who have come to Christ, you can tell that he has satisfied their spiritual hunger and thirst. And that's what Jesus is promising here. But... He's dealing with a bunch of people who don't care about having their spiritual hunger and thirst satisfied they want their physical hunger satisfied and so the moment that they can tell that he's not giving them more food what do they do they're gone look at verse 66 from this time many of his disciples which means the moment that they could tell they weren't getting physically what they wanted turned back and no longer followed him and this brings us to lesson two if you're focused on the physical you won't want what jesus offers lesson two if you're focused on the physical you won't want what jesus offers and those people that abandoned him in john 6 might be one of the best demonstrations of this in all of scripture look at verse 67 and i've always appreciated the way this is written then jesus said to the twelve do you also want to go away i take this to mean there were swelling crowds of thousands that just shrunk down to how many that would have been an incredible sight thousands of people leave someone and he's left with only 12 and he looks to them and he says do you also want to go away as we've kind of talked before every time Peter opens his mouth you're going to get a home run or a strikeout right and this is one of the home runs in verse 68 Simon Peter answers and he says Lord to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Why did Peter and the other disciples want to stay with Christ? They knew they weren't. In fact, it's kind of interesting to think about. Jesus told them, you want to be with me? Foxes have holes and birds have nests. We're going to hang out together. You're not even going to have a place to lay your head. In other words, Jesus told them it is not going to be good physically for you being with me so when i say why did the 12 want to be with jesus it sure wasn't for physical reasons if they were looking at it entirely physically they would have abandoned him the reason that peter wanted to remain with christ and the reason the other 10 wanted to remain with christ in fact the reason judas betrayed christ was i believe judas was looking at things physically he wanted Christ to ascend to the throne of Israel and he wanted to to be there with him and he wanted to force Christ's hand and force him to take the throne but the other 10 along with Peter were clearly looking at things spiritually and they they were content or even happy to remain with him even toward the end when Jesus looks at Peter and tells him what's in store for him in the future I mean your faith your commitment to Christ is really tested when Christ looks at you and what does church tradition tell us about the end of Peter's life crucified upside down so if you're on the fence with Christ and he looks at you and tells you you're going to be martyred that's when it becomes pretty obvious how committed you are right Because that's when if you're playing games you turn and say well maybe this whole christianity thing isn't for me And, and that's why to me obviously scripture is the greatest legitimizing factor we have in our faith but you take a step down and i'll tell you what really encourages me in my faith is the thousands of people in the first century who were willing to die for Christ? Because all some people say, "Well, it was 2,000 years ago. You can't really know what was happening." If you rewind and go back 2,000 years, those people are only going to go into those coliseums. They're only going to be devoured by lions. They're only going to be burned alive. If what? they're convinced it's true because when you're on the fence you say um I don't want to go in the Colosseum I'll I'll pinch the the incense to Caesar no I'm not too excited about being strung up on that cross on the side of the road for the next few days in agonizing pain until I expire you're only going to go to that death when you're absolutely convinced that Jesus is the Son of God And so i'm not putting something above scripture but i'm saying when thousands of people were willing to go to their deaths that testifies very very strongly peter focused on the spiritual just like these people did i mean they would have abandoned christ if they were looking at things physically but Peter understood what Jesus was offering these martyrs did too they understood Jesus's ministry that's why Peter stuck around even when he knew that it was going to mean being martyred himself and Peter reveals something important for us that I want to stress this Easter Sunday if you only want what Jesus offers physically perhaps you come to Jesus because you think every sickness will be healed or you think that every relationship's going to be fixed, or you think that he's going to make you wealthy, then you're probably going to stick around until what? You're sick, you realized you're not getting rich, and you notice that you still have relationship problems. Then you end up leaving Christ because he didn't do what you wanted physically. But if you can come to christ wanting what he can do for you spiritually you are going to be incredibly satisfied if you are like peter and you look at things spiritually then you're going to say what where else would i go to find the words of eternal life i know that everlasting life is not found anywhere else there is no other name under heaven by which men may be saved than jesus christ so why would i look anyplace else but that's only when you're looking at christ for what he can do for you spiritually now to really tie this into easter sunday turn to luke 24 the passage we read to see the misunderstanding that these two people had this is our last example for this morning luke 24, 24 verse 13 that very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened so since it's seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus they would have had plenty of time to talk Jesus's crucifixion has only occurred a couple days I mean this is Sunday and it had occurred on on Friday or Thursday and so Jesus's crucifixion is the most dramatic and to many in his day unexpected event in history so this would be the topic of conversation for everybody and so as they're walking these seven miles that's what's on their minds that's what they're discussing together the jesus of nazareth whom they thought was the messiah has died verse 15. while they were talking and discussing together jesus himself drew near and went with them but their eyes were kept from recognizing him and this is an interesting example of what we've been talking about could they see Jesus it's kind of a trick question isn't it you could say yes you could say no you could say yes they could see Jesus physically could they see Jesus spiritually (laughs) or I guess another way to say it is they could see a man physically but they couldn't see that that man was the Messiah or that that man was the Son of God and so they couldn't see him spiritually verse 17 and then he says to them what's the conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk and it's almost like this question stops them because it says they stand still they're looking sad it's almost like they can't even continue when they're forced to respond to what's on their hearts one of them named Cleopas answered and said are you basically are you the only person who has no idea what has just occurred are you the only visitor to you must you must be a visitor to Jerusalem you cannot be from around here because if you were from around here you never would have asked this question you must be from the other side of the world and just arrived on a ship or something to have not known what's transpired here so they're talking about Jesus being crucified and it's really interesting because they're talking about Jesus being crucified and then they ask do you have no idea what just happened and actually there's nobody in all of human history who has a better idea what just happened right than Jesus does and they ask him that now John 19:25 says that Cleopas was married to a woman named Mary so she's probably the other person walking with Cleopas here and there's other biblical and traditional evidence that suggests that Cleopas was Joseph Jesus's earthly father's brother which means Jesus is probably walking here with who his earthly aunt and uncle his earthly uncle Cleopas and his earthly Aunt Mary verse 9 and they don't recognize their nephew verse 19 and he says to them and this is shocking he says what things and they said to him I mean I almost picture them having trouble saying this not mockingly those things concerning jesus of nazareth a man who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before god and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him i don't know how many times i've read this account and i have always found immense amusement from it (laughs) just picturing this i don't want to be irreverent but it almost seems like jesus is playing with him does anyone else sort of see that I kind of picture this like if this was me and my wife was there and I said these things Katie Elbows me and tells me to stop. You know, this is like one of those moments where we leave and then Katie says, "You know, you really shouldn't have been playing with them like that. That wasn't funny. You thought it was. Nobody else did." One of those times where your wife is your helper and reminds you that you were behaving, uh, you know, inappropriately. Um, we've probably all wondered at times if God has a sense of humor and this is just my thoughts I confess this is not scripture but if God is the creator it seems hard to me to believe that his creation would have a better sense of humor than him some people some people just have an incredible sense of humor I've always wished I was one of those people Um, don't happen to be but anyway so some people have an incredible sense of humor and you just look and you're like wow they're so gifted they're so comical it's just effortless for them and I kind of think what are the chances that some people could have a better sense of humor or be more amusing or more enjoyable than their creator than the creator of those people if man is playful and is and so then you say well you're talking about man being playful but that doesn't mean that God is well we're created in God's image obviously the sinful or immoral parts of us are not what's called transmutable or transmitted to us from God but those parts that are moral playfulness perhaps so God could have a playful side and if Jesus being God in the flesh if God comes from heaven to earth in the person of Jesus Christ we should see that playful side and if there's one place in all of Scripture at least in the Gospels that seems to reveal that playful side it looks like this account I don't know if there's anything that rivals it better than what we see here but even if Jesus is amused at this moment they were not amused Mary you know Uncle Cleopas and Aunt Mary are not amused because they had very high hopes for the Christ or the Messiah which they thought that he had not met verse 21. they said we had hoped notice this we read all of this for this phrase we hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel yes and besides all this it is now the third day since these things happened and there was anticipation because of the prophets writings in the Old Testament that the Messiah if he was in fact the Messiah would be raised on the third day and here it is the third day and they think that he hasn't been raised and they even said we thought that he was the one who would redeem Israel and this is absolutely astonishing it is crazy Jesus has been crucified he has done everything Required to redeem Israel, and they thought that he had not done it and why is that they 're looking at everything physically, and so they miss everything spiritually what and it comes down to the word redeem or the sort of redemption that they were in, not just anticipating but desiring did many of the Jews want a spiritual redemption from sin and death or a physical redemption from Rome give us the Moses figure who delivers us from Rome like Moses delivered the Hebrews from Egypt give us the Davidic figure that delivers us from the Romans like David delivered Israel from the Philistines give us the you know um Solom- Solomonic is that a word Solomonic type figure who restores us to our golden years we want something physical we want the golden years that we had under Solomon and give us the Messiah that is going to do that basically give us the Messiah who gives us everything we have ever wanted physically Jesus comes instead of physical Redemption from Rome he's going to give them spiritual Redemption from the world instead of physical Redemption from Caesar he's going to give them spiritual redemption not from the ruler of rome but from the ruler of this world the devil instead of physical redemption from slavery to rome he's going to give them spiritual redemption from slavery to sin and death even even what i, I believe was shared during uh, communion we are it's interest it's incredibly interesting the way that it's worded you outside of christ are not only in bondage to death you are in bondage to the fear of death it isn't just death itself that holds you in bondage you are so afraid of death that the fear of death holds you in bondage and it is only when you are in christ that you can be freed from that bondage because it is only in Christ that you know you have eternal life but outside of him you must look to this dark incredibly sad eternity where you cease existing it is only knowing the eternal life that Christ offers that you can be delivered from that bondage that you're held to throughout all of your life prior to conversion Now we don't have time to read all the verses skip to verse 31 their eyes were opened they recognized him he vanished from their sight and they said to each other did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures and they arose that same hour returned to Jerusalem they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered and then they said and then here it is the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Solomon." so Jesus walks with them he keeps them from recognizing him it's interesting we know that Jesus wanted them to recognize him right let me we know Jesus wanted them to recognize him right because he did have them recognize him at some point but previously he wanted to be hidden from them and if you think I'm going to tell you why, I have no idea. <laughs> okay? And I think that any, any Bible commentator or pastor that stands up says, well, let me tell you why Jesus is in here, I don't think they know either. There's just some stuff we don't know. And in my mind, I'm like, why do you want to be hidden from them and then revealed? But I'll say this. When I look at this, this is an incredible picture of what happened in my life and the lives of many others. Jesus walks with them for seven years before they recognize him for me or he walks seven miles with them before they recognize him for me he walks 20 years before i recognize him there's a moment in my life when i know jesus has been walking with me and i finally see him for who he is before that i'm basically as blind to him as they were but then i can recognize christ and my heart burns within me it's this incredible moment where I recognize I'm a sinner and God loved me enough to send his son to die for my sins and I would ask you this has the Lord been walking with you and you haven't recognized him yet maybe you say well I believe in God I'm not an atheist I don't think the universe created itself I'd like to think if you did believe that you wouldn't be here but has the Lord been walking with you for some time and you haven't recognized him as the Lord he's still been hidden from you because you have not yet repented of your sins and looked to him to be saved now when they did recognize him they said the Lord has risen indeed and let's talk about what this resurrection means and this brings us to lesson three Christ was raised to life for our justification Christ was raised to life for our justification if you write in your Bible you can circle the words the Lord has risen indeed and you can write Romans four twenty-five and you can go ahead and turn there we're done in Luke 24 go ahead and turn to the right past John acts Romans. so three books ahead past John acts and then to Romans 4 the Lord is risen indeed and let's talk about what this resurrection means for us so Romans 4 25 when I read this verse Tell me, well, don't tell me. I don't need everyone to yell at me at once, but do this instead. I'm going to read this verse and look for Good Friday and, and Resurrection Sunday in it. In verse 25, look for Good Friday, look for Christ's resurrection, and look for or crucifixion and the resurrection. Verse 25, Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Now, let's split the verse in half, and the first half says Jesus was delivered up because of our offenses and that looks back to good friday when jesus died for our sins now god is just and what that means is every single sin that has ever been committed must be punished if even one sin escaped god's judgment then god could be mostly just but he would not be perfectly or completely just because he is perfectly and completely just every sin that has ever been committed throughout all of human history will be punished and will be punished one of two ways one way people's sins are punished is by God sending them to the lake of fire which we know as hell these are people who have not experienced the second birth and there is no greater demonstration of God's justice and wrath than all unbelievers throughout human history spending eternity In the lake of fire i mean just the thought of it is terrifying to me and the thought of it should be terrifying for you as well if you can think about spending eternity in the lake of fire and not be terrified there's something wrong with you and that is how many people's sins sadly will be punished and how god's wrath and justice will be manifested god is just but as pastor nathan was teaching during sunday school he is also merciful and loving and so he has provided another way for our sins to be punished that don't involve us being the recipients of his wrath and spending eternity in the lake of fire he was willing to have his son hang on a cross and receive the wrath or punishment that our sins deserve and one thing i've kind of been reflecting on if i think about the just punishment for my sins being eternity in the lake of fire then how could one man being on a cross for only a matter of hours receive the punishment that so many people are due how could many people's eternity in hell be consumed or swallowed up by one man within a few hours on a cross and it occurred to me Jesus fully man is also fully God being an infinite person in the flesh he could receive on that cross an infinite amount of wrath from his father and so all of the wrath that you were due because of your sins jesus could consume or drink down that cup while he hung on that cross if you repent of your sins and you put your faith in Christ as your savior, then he takes that punishment your sins deserve and you receive his righteousness. If you reject Christ, then you are choosing to receive that punishment yourself for your sins. Now listen to what Peter said when he described Jesus's resurrection. Acts 2:24, God raised Jesus up, loosing the pangs of death, and then this is the important part because it was not possible for jesus to be held by the grave or for jesus to be held by death why would peter say that it's not possible for death or the grave to hold on to christ why did he have to spring forward from it well the answer is that romans six twenty three says the wages of sin is death so if we sin we must die and we stay dead because we have received the just punishment we deserve but because jesus never sinned he should not have died he did die but the grave could not hold him and so we celebrate his resurrection today simply because he was sinless like we sing up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes he arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign he arose he arose hallelujah Christ arose now the resurrection is so serious what we are celebrating today that without it do you know what your faith is meaningless dead vain empty first Corinthians fifteen fourteen. if Christ isn't risen then our preaching is empty your faith is empty first Corinthians fifteen seventeen. if Christ isn't risen your faith is futile and you're still in your sins without the resurrection there's no salvation for believers and why is that the case because of the second half of this verse romans 4 25 he was delivered up for our trespasses and then the second half he was raised or resurrected for our justification so now we have just moved from good friday to today now this verse is talking about what we're celebrating christ's resurrection for our justification now if you've gone to this church for very long i'm hoping a lot of you answer this correctly when i ask this what does it mean to be justified in two words declared. declared righteous declared righteous justification is when god looks at sinful people like me and declares me righteous not by my life or behavior because if he had to declare me anything by my life or behavior he would declare me unrighteous but he declares sinners like me righteous by my faith justification is when God declares wretched sinners like me righteous by my faith in his son Jesus Christ but here's the thing if Jesus stayed dead because the grave could hold him because he was a sinner then that would mean that my faith in him was in vain but the resurrection reveals that Jesus was our perfect sinless substitute who could die in our place and take the punishment that our sins deserve now if you have never repented of your sins and put your faith in Christ then you're still dead in your trespasses and sins and if you remain that way God is going to punish you for your sins by casting you alive into the lake of fire but if you have repented of your sins and you have put your faith in Christ then just like Jesus died for you and his death became your death he was raised today and his resurrection looks forward to your resurrection his death became your death his burial became your burial and his resurrection will be your resurrection I will be at right friend after service if you have any questions about anything I've shared or any questions about the gospel or what it means to be right with God I would consider it a privilege to be able to speak with you father we thank you so much for your son's resurrection this great demonstration of his victory over sin and death the grave could not hold him because he had been sinless we thank you that he was willing to die despite his sinfulness in our place because our sins deserved a death and so his death became our death lord and so how tremendous that he would be our perfect sinless substitute and i pray lord that if there's anyone here who hasn't looked to christ as their Savior, that you would convict them of that. We thank you so much for Jesus, what He's done for us, and the resurrection that awaits us, not because of anything we've done, but because of Jesus' perfect sinless life that He lived vicariously as our substitute. And we pray these things in His name. Amen.